morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to Kabbalah and Coffee. We have a fantastic class today. Today, we talk about birth of idols. Happy birthday to the idols. All right. Exactly, right? We got, we got our own version. American Idol. All right. Um, if you want to know where we are up to in the book, we are on page 28, all the way at the bottom. That's uh, where we'll get to soon. At some point, soon. And soon, I mean kind of like the general... By the, well, by the end of the day, I think we'll, we'll have moved into 30. That's my pledge. All right, let's pass these around. Um, please take and pass. There's going to be extra, but just kind of keep them strategically stashed. No, 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 no. Please pass. Thank you, thank you. Okay, um, well, let's begin over here. Let's begin over here. And when I say over here, you'll see where, you'll see where, where we'll be in a second. In order to explain, let's understand what we're doing here. The book is called Feminine Faith. And as we've uh, talked about before, what we're trying to do and what we are going to do is trace the feminine energy, the unique, the uniqueness or the unique um, attributes, qualities of the feminine energy. We're going to trace it back to its Kabbalistic source, to its supernal source on high in the world of Atzilut, the highest world of emanation and beyond. In order to have a better understanding of what is it really that drives the feminine energy, what is it on an essential soul level that makes it tick, what is it that drives the masculine energy, and perhaps in this way we have a better understanding of men and women how and how it plays out. Even though, again, as we've said before, the, our, our standing disclaimer is that masculine energy and feminine energy do not apply exclusively to men and women because men and women both have a combination of both, right? There is nothing in, the ex- in existence that is only strictly, purely one energy as opposed to another. So although, that is, although that's true, nonetheless, it does express itself sometimes in men and women, etc. Okay. So in order to understand Kabbalistically the, uh, the energy, uh, the feminine energy, we said we're going to look at certain episodes in Torah, in Scripture, that point us in a, uh, in a positive direction, in a truthful direction to deciphering this. The major episode we're looking at is the sin of the golden calf. Here we saw a major divide amongst the Jewish people. This is perhaps one of the most stark divides that we found at a national level between men and women and how they responded in a given situation. You had the same situation, the same stimuli, and the reaction of the men and women were completely different. What happened, as we discussed at length last week, Moses goes up on the mountain following uh, the revelation at Sinai says he'll be back in 40 days. 40 days pass, according to the popular account. Moses does not return. Six hour of the 40th day, the 40th day, the day of counted, has come and gone. And the Satan confuses uh, the people, brings darkness upon the world, shows an image of a casket with Moses inside. Anyway, people panic. The men gang up against Aaron and they say, let's create a God. Aaron says... Pull the earrings, pull the jewelry off your wives and your children. The Torah continues. They removed their own jewelry, threw it into a fire. We talked about last week how um, there was a uh, some sort of um, inscription 
that said, rise ox that was thrown into the fire, a Kabbalistic incantation that was used to lift the, uh, the bones of Joseph upon the exodus, is thrown into the fire, out comes and emerges a golden calf, they begin worshipping the golden calf, the rest is history. The women, we know, did not participate in this at all. They refused to give their jewelry, they opposed it, and the decree, I, we have not spoken about this, this detail yet, this wrinkle, the decree that the generation that left Egypt, would not enter the land of Israel, only applied to the men and not to the women. There was a decree subsequent, following the sin of the golden calf. Hey. And also, oh wait, wait, there's actually another sin. There was, the other sin was the sin of the spies. And because of the sin of the spies, the Jews, didn't, that, that generation didn't enter the land of Israel. That was only regarding the men. The women didn't have the same decree. So here we see a divide. And so what we're trying to understand, and this is the, the direction, and this is a necessary introduction to understand where we're moving to today. What we're understanding is, why is it that men, or at least historically in this story, why the men, the Jewish men, were more susceptible to idolatry than were the Jewish women? Why is it that the men, right, were more susceptible in being unfaithful to God than the women? In that moment of crisis, when it, 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 there was a situation that didn't follow, right, didn't follow the, the, the expected trajectory. Something happens outside of the box. Something happens that's, uh, that's you know, unexpected. Why is it that a certain segment of the people jump to idolatry, and another segment of the people namely the men, and another segment of the, of the population, namely the women, stick to their faith. Because women are more monogamous than men. Oh. No. So wait, hold on, hold on. So wait, one second, one second, one second. There's a certain, one second. There's a certain, now this is where we're going. We're going to a place where we're going to say that there is a faith that women have sticking to the relationship, in a sense, stronger than men. Now, but the question is, where does it come from Kabbalistically? And what is, it, in other words, what is the soul of this idea? Not to say, and again, we have to be careful here, because it doesn't mean that all men are this way and all women are that way. As I said many times, I said it a few minutes ago. We're talking about really purely masculine and feminine energies. How the masculine energy lends itself in one direction, whereas the feminine energy lends itself into a different direction. It doesn't mean that any given man or any given woman... <laughs> It has to follow one or either path because everyone has both energies. So you can draw on, and that there's a there's a power to that because in any given situation, sometimes it calls more for a feminine energy response. Sometimes it calls for a masculine energy response. And the beauty is that both men and women can pull out, can 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 respond in the, in, in the given situations with the right energy because we each have a a, a, a a blend of both energies. But again, that's jumping ahead a little bit. But so what, is, so what is really at the root of it? To understand the root of the divide between the response, we need to trace first the, the origins of idolatry, the birth of idols. So I have here on a handout, spoke, we spoke about this uh, a little bit last week, but I really want to get into this topic at length, because this is a very important topic. This is going to tie into it as well. Oh, okay. This is going to tie into why the, the identity of Judaism follows the mother. This is, this is very important, yeah.
morning. All right, what you see in the handout are actually two... Oh, did you get one? If there's an extra handout, if we could pass it back around. Thank you. All right, what we have here in the handout are two texts. One is from Genesis chapter 4, verses 25 and 26, which we read in synagogue and show yesterday, from the, from the first uh, opening Torah portion in the Torah. Uh, yesterday we started the Torah once again. And then the second text comes from Rambam, from Maimonides, in his uh, famous work, Mishneh Torah, Laws of Idol, idol Worship, which he's not telling you how to worship an idol, Maimonides, saying the laws of, the prohibition of idol worship. Anyway, let's, uh, let's get into it. Birth of Idols. Maria. <clears throat> Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son. And she named him Seth, saying, For God has given Shas me other seed instead of Abel. The game slew him, and to Saints also to him a son was born, and he named him Anush. Then it became common to call by the name of the Lord. Okay, here's what happens. Adam and Eve... Adam and Chava have two children, have two boys. They also had daughters. But we read about the boys. Yeah, they did. They also, we read about the boys because one of them killed the other. So Cain and Abel. Cain and Hevel. Cain kills Abel. It's a long story. It's just, we're not going to get to this story. Anyway, what happens next is... What happens next? A lot of things happen next. Later on, it says that Adam and Eve had another son who they named Seth. The Hebrew, name, the Hebrew name Seth is Shase. Shase. Alright, her son is named Shase. Why does Chava, why does Eve name him Shase? Because she said, Shase is a play on the word, Shas. For God has given me, Shas, Shas Lee, given me uh, another child instead of Abel. Because she had lost her, her son. Because of the, because uh, her, her other son killed him. So she had another son. Uh, Shase. And then the Torah continues that Seth, Shase, Seth, had also a son, which he named Enosh. This is the key line, the last line. Then it became common to call by the name of the Lord. What does that mean? What does that last line mean? I really should have underlined it in the handout. Then it became common to call by the name of the Lord. What does that, what does that sound like? Whereas in the time of Anosh, what were they doing? Why does it sound like idol worship? Because afterwards became common. What does it mean to call by the name of the Lord? You're right. But what does it mean to call by the name of the Lord? They called other things by the name of the Lord. Not call the Lord. It didn't become common to Davin Hashem to call the, to call by the name of the Lord. In other words, to call other things. By the name of the Lord. In other words, call other, refer to other things, items, people, statues, wood, stone, by the name of the Lord as deities. Although they were things, idols. You see? Okay? There's another wrinkle that we don't have in the English. So again, the first clue that we're not saying that, oh, everyone was monotheistic. Right? In the times of Enosh, everyone called, God, everyone called upon God. It doesn't say it. Called by the name of the Lord. Not called the name of the Lord. By the name of the Lord. That's clue number one. But also in the Hebrew, the word it became common 
is az hechalu, which hechal, uh, which means begin, can also be related to the word chol, which means mundane or weekday, mundane. So then they, they pro, which is the idea of profanity in a sense. There's holiness and the mundane. So there's the holy and the profane. It means they started profaning God by calling others, other things by the name of God. Maimonides has an issue with this. Wait, yeah, go ahead. This is a really basic question that yeah. I've had for a while. You know, when, when the, this is from the Torah, mm-hmm. so... Is the Torah meant to be as cryptic as it is, mm-hmm. or is it meant to be? No, wait, wait, no, no, it's, a, it's an excellent question. The answer is like this. The Torah was given when God, Moses was up on the mountain for 40 days, right? And he came down late. This the whole issue with the golden calf. What was he there to get? He was there to receive the, the rest of Torah. Not only the written Torah, but also all of the traditions, and all of the backstories, and all of the you know, Paul Harvey-esque stuff. He received as an oral transmission. God said, basically, transmit all of the details, most of the details, orally, and write down the key points. Remember, this will not be a tradition that relies solely on a, given over, on a handed over text. I'll ask you a simple question. How many phone numbers do you know? And this is open to everybody. How many phone numbers do we know? What's the answer? Why, 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 why is it? You know, when I was a kid, I'll tell you something. When I was in fifth grade, I knew by heart more numbers than I know today. Why? Because I was smarter. Hey, how's it going? Good to see you. Well, how, how did it happen? Why? why, why was somebody answer why? Cell phone. Cell phone. Simple. Why? Because I, you had to remember the numbers. Right? You had to remember your numbers. Today, you don't remember. You take a number down, you put it in your phone, or you sync it with your this, your that, your Outlook, your Gmail, whatever it is, your iCloud. Boom, you're good. You're good to go. You don't have to remember anything. So what happens? So what happens? This is very important. So besides for the damage it has, in the, whatever, the, it's not, we're not max. Okay. Besides for the brain stuff that happens, what, the other thing that happens is, I guess at a very practical level, you don't, you're not carrying around that information. You just don't have the information. If Judaism was all about only a written text, you see where we're going with this? If Judaism was only a written text, this is the extent of it. So take this document, take this tomb, take the... Tome? Tome? Tome is something else. Take this tome, right? Take this, take this text, take this tablet, whatever, right? and pass it down to the next generation, people will be like, fine, done, my job, I'm out, I pass it down, you, don't forget to pass it down to the next generation. What is Judaism? Yeah, it's in there. What is it? I don't know, go read it. Judaism, the power of, the beauty of Judaism is, that it's an oral tradition. It's a, it's a living tradition. It's a tradition. Teach it to your children. And speak when, you're, when you arise in the morning, when you lie down to bed at night, when you're walking on the road, teach it, live it. It's a living tradition. It's a living, breathing tradition. It's not only a tradition. Tradition sounds old. It's, a, it's, it's life. It's meant to be taught and understood in, a, in an interactive way, in an alive way. There's also... So why is anything written down? So the, the five books are written down because you need... It's almost like the game of, of telephone. You need some basic notes to kind of keep you centered to make sure that you remember 
the rest. You need the basics written down. But by, you know, by, by no stretch of the, I don't know, whatever phrase I want to use, cliche here, but by no means is the five books the beginning and end of the story. Not that now we can make up stories. But again, the stories were transmitted to us. So, so what was your question? My question was... <laughs> 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 now that was by way of introduction. It's like, it's, like it's all written in some kind of code that needs to be interpreted. Oh, oh exactly. It's not for the con- like, so here's the, th- here's the answer. The answer is, oh, the answer is, it's not even a code. It's written, it's written with the understanding that you're going to have the, the, the key. In other words, you're not, it's not that you're not given the key. You're given the key. You're given all the information. Oh, I have to explain something else. One second, one second. That's the way it was supposed to work. The problem was, it came a certain time in history, after the destruction of the Second Temple, when it now we, it was, the handwriting was on the wall that Jewish life was going to be forever, not forever, but at least for the next foreseeable future, dispersed and displaced. The fear was, and it was a very imminent danger, that the oral tradition, this, let's rely on parents teaching their children and one generation passing along, uh, you know, in that way, there was a danger it, it, that, it could, get, that you, it could get either disordered or lost. And so they started writing down the oral traditions. And that forms the Midrash, the Mishnah. Midrash has more of the, the story part. And the, the moral stories, you have the Mishnah, which is more the legal, the Talmud, which elaborates on that. So you have all of these, write, all of these works that are now written of the, what are called the oral Torah, Torah Shabbat the oral Torah, that originally were just passed down. So it is cryptic, but let's understand that it was never meant to be a standalone product. It was never meant, the Torah, the five, but were never meant to be studied. Here's the Torah, good luck. Never. It was always meant to be accompanied by a teacher. That, that had the information that could fill in the rest. And that the, this is the written that keeps you grounded, but this is the story. And these are the details. Then, as I said, it came a certain point in time where even the details had to be written down. So now we have two texts, in a sense. You have the Torah, you have the Mishnah. You have the Torah and the Midrash. You have the Torah and the Talmud. So, but it's still, there's an interplay here. Yeah. So where did Kabbalah come? Kabbalah was always around. Adam wrote the first Kabbalistic work. Abraham wrote a Kabbalistic work. Sefer Yitzhira, Book of Creation, Formation. Kabbalah was always around. Kabbalah is also part of the... It's not the written Torah. It's also part of the oral tradition, but it, it, it takes a different angle. It's not necessarily explaining the background of the stories of the legal stuff. It explains the mystical stuff. But it's the same concept. You have a verse that says something... But there's a mystical angle behind it. It's not like we're trying to pull something out of something. This is the tradition that was always, that was always taught and passed down, that there's a deeper truth behind it. And you have, even in classic biblical commentaries like Nachmanides, Ramban, you have a lot of Kabbalistic interpretation. Anyway, he thro- it, especially in, uh, in, in Beratius, and right at the beginning when it talks about creation, you got a lot of that. Even in the classic commentaries on Torah, there's a lot of Kabbalistic the back story, a lot of it is, is Kabbalistic. Anyway, but that's but that's it's it's the same same idea. It's part of the oral uh, the oral Torah. All right. So here's what we got. We have here the times of Enosh, and again, Enosh is the grandson of Adam. Adam, Seth, Shes, Seth, and Enosh. And at that point already, 
people are calling other things by the name of the Lord, there is idolatry happening. Maimonides addresses the question. The question is, how did this happen? It's a very simple question. How did this happen? Right? You would think, more than you would think, Adam was created by God. Adam knew the Creator. It says that Adam, when Adam was created, all of the animals, it says again in the Midrash, all of the animals gathered around Adam. And they all began to, in a sense, serve Adam as their creator. Because they saw this intelligent creature, they noticed that the the human being, they saw that the human being was of a superior intelligence, whatever. Adam says, no, you got it wrong. Come, let us together serve the one who created all of us. Adam redirects all of nature to serve God. Adam knows God. You would think that Adam is teaching God to his child, to his children. You would think that Adam is teaching the concept of God to his grandchild. And to, again, it's not, like the, it's not like Adam was like one family amongst the whole world. He was the family. He was the father of... Adam and Eve were the father and mother of all, of all creatures, of all human beings. So the question is, how do you go from such a truth of God... That Adam and Eve clearly had. Okay, they ate from the tree of knowledge, but still they knew where they were coming from. How do you go from that to suddenly idolatry? Calling other things by the name of the Lord. How does that, how does that progression happen? It wasn't sudden, was it? Not at all. Maimonides, in a beautiful text, traces it carefully. Linda, will you please read? Alright, we're going to go through this text slowly. This is, become, this is going to become a critical, critical foundation to the text that we're going to read in our book from 28 uh, moving forward. During the times of Enosh, mankind made a great mistake and the wise men of that generation gave thoughtless counsel. Enosh himself was one of those who heard. Mm. See what he says here. He says, number, he says a few things. First of all, mankind made a great mistake. Okay, that's number one. Now, mistake implies what? What does mistake imply? Huh? Huh? An error, but what is it what else does it imply? What else? Okay, good, but it wasn't malicious. It wasn't malicious. It's not like they said, let's rebel. It wasn't a grand rebellion. I just want to point out, it's not like he says, you know how idolatry happened? People were bad. They were terrible. They rebelled. It's not how it happened. That's not how it happened. At least initially. There was a mistake that was made. A mistake. Okay? And the the wise men of the generation gave thoughtless counsel. In other words, they gave counsel thoughtless. In other words, it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't the correct counsel. And he says further, Enosh himself, the grandson of Adam. He's trying to bring out the fact that it wasn't malicious. It wasn't a bad thing. Enosh himself made the mistake. What was the... Yeah, what do you the wise men of that generation, how many men were there? There were. There was... I don't know. <laughs> there were some families. <laughs> don't forget, by the way, don't forget that they lived, they lived a long time back in the day. Pre-flood, the lifespan was hundreds of years. After the flood, it's 120. It's basically our lifespan that we know. Right? Max 120. Before the flood, it says everything... It's like Texas. Everything was bigger. Before the flood. Everything was more dramatic. Right? The, the, everything was... The sins were bigger. Everything. People lived longer. Everything was, was just a bigger scale. Um, 
Okay, continue. Let's see what their mistake was. Their mistake was as follows. They said God created stars and spheres with which to control the world. He placed them on high and treated them with honor, making them servants to minister before him. Accordingly, it is fitting to praise and glorify them and to treat them with honor. Wait, I want to stop you for one second, because let's see what he says here. What happened? They said, look, God created stars and spheres. There's planets, there's stars, right? There's stuff. There's stuff in the heavens. And they have a high position in the universe. Right? They're celestial beings. They're heavenly creatures. They're higher than us. Right? You look up, you see the heavenly bodies, and they're big, and they're powerful. So God gives them honor. God gives them responsibility. God gives them dignity. So they said to themselves, the wise folks, they said, it makes sense to honor those whom God honors. Right? God honors them, puts them in a certain position of power, puts them in a position of glory. So it only makes sense that if God is honoring them, we should too. Okay? Continue. They perceived this to be the will of God, lest be He, that they magnify and honor those whom He magnified and honored, just as a king desires that the servants who stand before Him be honored. Indeed, doing so is an expression of honor to the king. Okay, look what he says. To what you have, you have a king, right? And then you have all the ministers and the officers and, and servants that stand before the king. So, a person, a regular, you know, a commoner, whatever, shows deference, shows respect to the ministers of the king. Not because they're the king, but because in doing so, you're showing honor to the king. Because if you wipe the floor, if you don't, if you if you act, you know, irreverently, if you act with disrespect to the minister of the king, what you're saying is you don't value whom the king has put in charge or who the, whom the king honors, and that's not respectful. So he said, if it's true by a human being that you want to honor those whom are honored by the king, so the same thing should be with true with God. Yeah. So there, so a hierarchy is being. Right. As opposed to a direct relationship. Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, exactly. Okay, we're going to, yes. Now, we're going we're gonna to explore this. Right, you see what happened. What happens is, suddenly now they're saying, well, wait a second, now there's the middle people, or the, not people, the middle men, middle beings that, right, this is, this is what's going on. Instead of having a direct, but again, let's be very clear here. It's not that they said there's no God. Not at all. On the contrary. It's because of God that we need to honor the sun, the moon, the stars, you know, the planets, the whatever, the orbits. It's because of all that. It's because of God that we have to... Yeah. It seems to me that if Moses had gone up to get the laws, yeah. that the people didn't know the laws at that time because Moses hadn't made his way back down to say that we should not... You know. You're right, you're right, but that's that's... Almost 2,000 years later, Moses, we're talking here about the third generation of Ad, from Adam. We've gone now back in history. So, you're right, with the golden calf, yes. But put that on hold for a second. Let's go all the way back to the beginning of time. Adam and Eve have a son named Shase, Seth, who has a son named Enosh. Torah tells us, first Torah portion, fourth uh, chapter 4 of Genesis, that at that moment in history, idolatry began. How does it happen? 
Yeah, 2,000 years later, we, we can perhaps come up with, it, with a rationale. How does it happen, though, that right at the beginning of time, we're moving away from God to serving other things? How does that happen? They forgot about God. He says, no, 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 no. they made a mistake. It's almost like you could even use the word innocent mistake in a sense. We're going to see, though, I'll let you be the judge if it's innocent or not innocent. We're going we're to try to get some rationality, some, 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 some uh, perspective on it. But that, let's hold off on that for a second. But So what, he, what Maimonides says, he's helping us trace it. He says what happened was, of course they believed in God. They knew God existed. But they said, look, God puts these stars and spheres and heavenly celestial beings um, in place, on high, in the heavens, right? God is affording them, according them honor. We have to also. And in doing so, it only serves to honor God more. Because you honor those whom God, who the king honors. Okay, so that's the that's the big idea, huh? Makes sense. Well, it's 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 what you observe in your world and how you explain what you're observing. Oh, so that, and that's okay. Just remember that line, because I'm going to use that to go after we finish this to go deeper and to explain the source of this. Because now we've it was a mistake. Why they make the mistake? This is how. My mind is describing how it happened. We're gonna, after we finish this text, we're going to then explore us. We're going to explore why it happened. There's two things, how and why. This is how it happened. Okay, continue. So this was the big idea. The big idea is we've got to honor those whom God honors. Continue. After conceiving of this notion, they began to construct temples to the stars and offer sacrifices to them. They would praise and glorify them with the words and prostrate themselves before them. Because by doing so, they would, according to their false conception, be fulfilling the will of God. Right, because if you serve the stars, God honors the stars. And you show honor to the stars. Oh, you're actually fulfilling the will of God. This is what God wants. Continue. This was the essence of the worship of false gods. And this was the rationale of those who worship They would not say that there is no other God except for this star. In other words, in other words, that last line is a little bit vague. By the way, I, I did dot, 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 because at this point, Maimonides brings in a, a verse that supports, a scriptural verse that supports this, uh, this, this point. But anyway, the last point, I think what he's saying here is, they wouldn't say that there's no God except for this. In other words, they wouldn't, would, they, they're not saying that this is exclusively, it's kind of like we spoke about this a little bit last week. They weren't saying that this star, or this planet, or this sun, this is the creator of everything. They weren't saying that. All they were saying is that this is an important being, this is an important uh, force that God has put in place, and therefore it only serves to honor God by honoring it, by, by worshiping it, etc. So they built the temples, they built houses of worship, they bowed down, and that they offer sacrifices, and they started serving. This is the, uh, the, the, the stars and the, uh, the other spheres. This is the beginning of idolatry. This is the first step. Then it gets the next step. And in Maimonides, he has in each chapter, it's divided like one, two, three different things. That's all one. I, I removed the numbers. This is two. Continue. After many years passed, there arose people, false prophets, who told their nations that God had commanded them to say, serve this star, or all the stars, sacrifice to it, offer libations to it, build a temple for it, and make an image of it so that all people, including the women, the children, and the common people, could bow to it. So here's what happens. Now, now we're moving away 
from from serving, from worshipping the star because the star is a representative of God to now God said serve the star itself. You see the difference? Now it's not that I'm serving the star because in doing so I'm just bowing in, 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 in reverence in deference to the servant in front of the king, and that shows my really, I'm really, it's really about the king. Now it's the king told me to serve this, to serve this minister, this officer, this star, this planet, this, this being, this piece of wood or stone in and of itself. False prophets did this. Now, this is already the next generation, but this can't happen. Unless there's a notion, a possibility in the world of serving something else in between. So first, what happens first is we pull it away from exclusivity, from that exclusive relationship with God. We bring in a middle other, other, other things, other beings. And then that lays the foundation for someone to come up and say, God told me, now we've got to start serving this. Yeah. No. Oh, it sounds a little bit like when it says build a temple, make an image of it so that all people, women, children, common people, it's like they can't handle the intangibility of God, so we're going to make them a, something they can relate to. Yeah, I see it like huh? it's hard. Wait, wait, no, no, wait, wait. Was it, was it, what, I don't understand the question. Say it It makes it sound like they're, they're creating this idol so that, that the women and children and common people can relate no, if, if, if it's not, oh, one second. Common people would be every. This is refer, this is a collective thing. Women, children, and common people is, is now a reference to everybody, as opposed to the false prophets who were directing the people. That's the point. There were the false prophets that got up and said, as the leaders, as the spiritual gurus, they got up and said, "This is what has to happen. This is what God told me. God told me that now we have to start serving this star or that star, and now we have to make build a temple and now make images, in other words, make replicas of it to put it in everyone's home." You see what happened? They said basically, we have to make it. We have to move it away from the place of the temple. In other words, where you have to go and now make an image of it. In other words, replicate the image and make it popular so that everybody can get in on it. Right. The focus is not on women and children. It's, again, women is women. Children are children. Common people are men. In other words, the point is, it's everybody. Common people as opposed to the priests that were, that were, that were giving these directives. The point is to make it accessible. And what were they making accessible? This idea of, 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 of idolatry. Now it's pure idolatry. Now it's, you're serving this. You're not even remembering that in doing so, it's honoring God. Now it's, we're serving this. Oh, because God said so, but you're still serving this. Oh, I hear what you're saying. Oh, I, oh, the intangible. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. In other words, in other words, the the idea is to put a face to the god. Yeah, maybe, perhaps. It's like a, yeah. It's harder for someone to to keep it abstract. Exactly. Yeah. Concrete is is much easier. Yeah. But if, but if Hashem is everything and everywhere, then you could also, couldn't you say that, 
No, no, it, it works one way but not the other. Hashem is everything, but not. I don't know. Hashem energizes this cup, but if you say this cup is Hashem, that's. No, no, that's not what. I, mean. no, I know. I'm saying. But I'm, I'm, I'm saying like, who makomo shall olam ve'ain olam makomo. That's what it says. God is called makom. Also, one of the place. He is the place of the world, but the place, but the world is not his place. In other words, it had God. Hashem is everyone. Hashem is giving life to everything, but not everything is God. That's that's the distinction. That's, that's a, uh, that, but that's, I would, but I understand your point. Now, your point is that they were, there was a, a sense of, well, if we're serving the star, and if I'm making up this concept that we're serving this, like I'm the priest, the false prophet, so we're serving this star. So, what does it mean to serve the star? We got to make something tangible that we're holding on to and saying this is the physical embodiment of this worship. This is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. Yeah, that seems definitely the path that they were moving of uh, uh, concretizing the the experience. Definitely, definitely, definitely. All right, continue. He would inform them of a form that he had conceived and tell them that this is the image of the particular star, claiming that this was revealed to him in a prophetic Ah, see, exactly. So now we're creating the image of the star. In this manner, the people began to make images in temples, under trees, and on the tops of mountains and hills. People would gather together and bow down to them, and the false prophets would say, this image is the source of benefit or harm. It is appropriate to serve it or fear it. Their priests would tell them, this service will enable you to multiply and be successful. Do this and this, or do not do this or this. Okay, so now it's, our, now, so now it's a business already. So now, right? Now it's a business. Huh? Yeah, we're creating it, we're mass replicating it, it's, and you have to do this, and you can't do that, and it's a whole thing. It's a, now it's a, whole, now it's, it's a whole movement. This is what happened. Alright? Um, continue. Subsequently, other deceivers arose and declared that a specific star, sphere, or angel had spoken to them and commanded them, serve me in this manner. He would then relate a mode of service telling them, do this, do not do that. In other deceivers, it wasn't like there was one star or one being that everyone... No, now you had multiple, multiple uh, traditions. Now you had... Uh, yeah. So one would ask... <coughs> yeah. Why... So Hashem is observing, is kind of watching all of this. Yeah. Observing this natural evolution. Right. For a reason. The reason is because God doesn't get, God doesn't interfere with our mistakes. That's part of our growth process. You know, He allows us to to correct. You know, to to make to make the negative decision and then and then rebound, which is what happens on a historical level. As we'll see right at the end, we're going to see the uh, it, it picks up. We'll see how. We'll see that in a second. But yeah, why doesn't God intervene when, as soon as things? Are, because as hands-on as God is, in a sense, and as involved God is in creation, which He is, and knows everything, God still wants to allow history, human beings, individuals, collect, to take their own, take, make their own choices. Yeah. Isn't that an anthropomorphic idea of God, that He can get involved in He sees, as opposed to an energy that can create, but can't interfere? Oh, so this is actually okay. So that that concept is actually uh, something we spoke a little bit about last week, which is where you have 
the great philosophers of old saying that yeah, God is the prime mover and first cause, but not getting involved in the nitty gritty. And this is something. This that's a notion that Judaism rejects. The idea that God is too big or too perfect to get involved in the nitty-gritty of, of life. And the truth is, we don't, need, we don't need another text. We're going to talk about it in this text, how, what Judaism has to say about this. But it's a good question. We'll, 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 we're going to get to it. All right, let's, uh, let's continue with the evolution of idolatry. Thus, these practices spread throughout the world. People would serve images with strange practices, one more distorted than the other, offer sacrifices to them, and bow down to them. As the years passed, God's glorious and awesome name was forgotten by the entire population. See what happened here. What happened was with the rise, with the rise of the service of the stars, the spheres, the angels, the celestial beings, with the rise of the worship of other beings, suddenly, little by little, ah, you see, wait, wait, we actually missed the transition. We missed the transition. The subsequently was a transition. We missed it. What happened by subsequently? The paragraph before. See what happened? What happened in that transition? What is that? I said that they came up with other ones. It's not, that's not what he's saying here. He's saying something much, much, more, much more important, much more critical in the evolution. He's before it was people saying that God said, God said serve this. Now it's the star themselves told me to serve. You see? Subsequently, others have declared that a specific star, sphere, angel has spoken to them and commanded them to serve me in this manner. Before, on the bottom of the page, it was that God had commanded them to say, serve this star. Before, it was still God saying, serve the star. So, you could still get away with the fact that you're serving the star because God said so. But now, it's the star itself told me that we should serve it. So, now, who needs God? Now, you have stars declaring their the the uh, own deification, right? The stars themselves are declaring their uh, uh, their their. People get lost from believing in God and going. What would be the disconnect? The, the first mistake, the first step was the 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 mistaken notion that look, if God puts these beings, these bodies in place in such an important and dignified role, the sun gives light, gives energy to the entire warmth, the entire world. It's got to be very important. So if it's very important, we should honor it. Just like a king that has an honored servant, has an honored minister. You know, you don't add chutzpah to the minister. You have to, you have to treat the minister with respect. Right? A vice president, a state, a head of state, whatever. you got to govern. You treat this being, this position with respect. you got to treat the son with respect. And that means showing reverence, show, showing reverence, showing. Uh, so they started bowing down. They showed, all in the name of glorifying Hashem and glorifying God. But eventually, that first step started leading down in an evolutionary way to moving further away from God and more about the other stuff. What about the influence of Hellenism? And you could argue that this is somewhat assimilationist. I mean, this is way before that. This is way before that. This is right at the beginning. This is like we're talking about a few hundred years into. Uh, this, is, this is like 5,000, 5,500 years ago. This is before uh, before the rise of, of the other cultures. This is this is all the way at the beginning. But you're saying it's a slow evolution. So once we become dual, it was easy to. Yeah, exactly. Once we make the first mistake, and again, the beauty here is that the first mistake was not a malicious mistake. But once you open up that door, 
at that point, it's a very easy transition into full-blown idolatry. Saying that, oh yeah, it's not... God didn't tell me to... I'm not serving the star because it honors God. I'm not serving the star because God told me. I'm serving the star because the star told me to serve it. Now the stars are telling me things. Now now, now it's hectic, right? Now it's getting hectic. All right, let's continue. As the years passed... God's glorious and awesome name was forgotten by the entire population. It was no longer part of their speech or thought, and they no longer knew Him. Thus all the common people, the women and the children would know only the image of wood or stone and the temples of stone to which they were trained from their childhood to bow down and serve, and whose name they swore. In other words, it became now all about the stars and the other beings and the idols and, and the images and everything. And who needs God anymore? you got this whole mechanism in place. You have this whole movement. So then who needs God? Right? And, and you have a movement that says that your success, right? You want the crops to grow, you want this to happen, you want sunlight, you want the, the rain to fall. You gotta, so here, here's, here's how you do it. This is what you have to serve. How do I know? Because <laughs> they told me. I mean, how do I know? You don't believe me? Yeah. Even at the very beginning of the mistake, yeah. it seems like if these wise people felt like the heavenly bodies were honored by God, they would also think that because they were wise compared to the common people, that they were also higher than the common people and were yeah. It's kind of a self-deception to kind of like oh, worship me. Right. Good. So I want to. Oh, oh, so this is where the, when I spoke about we have to analyze the the why, not the, not only the how. How did it happen? But why did it happen? This is the point that I want to get to, and I want to tie it into the first sin of Adam and Eve with the tree of knowledge, which we're going to get to in a second. But let's just finish this, and then we're going to get over there. The wise man among them would think that there is no god other than the stars and spheres, for whose sake and in resemblance of which they had made these images. The eternal rock was not recognized or known by anyone in the world. With the exception of a few individuals, for example, Chanoch. Okay, help me with the name. Chanoch. Okay, keep going. Mesushelach, <laughs> Noach, Shame, and Aver. <laughs> the world continued in this fashion until the pillar of the world, the patriarch Abraham, was born. So here we have. So now we see what happened. So it, no one knew about God, whereas at the beginning everyone knew God. At this point, no one knows about God. God is now... who? No. It's not that people are defying God. It's not that people had no clue. Totally free, had no clue. And you have to understand. You want to get sociological here? Every nation in history that has been great has fallen. There is no nation in history, look at history, that has sustained its greatness... Why is it? Every book that you read will have the same answer. Because what they knew when they were becoming great, they forgot when they became great. The passion, the drive, the belief in values. When they became big, and they became successful, and they became the superpower, they forgot all the values. And everything went out, and they had nothing to... to they weren't living with a, with a purpose. They weren't living with that spirit that they had at the beginning. And if you're not living with the spirit, you're susceptible to being swallowed up by the next nation that is living with that spirit. 
every nation, every superpower, read any book, Greece, Rome, doesn't make a difference, whatever, same story. The people have changed, the location has changed, same story. History repeats of the same story. The Torah again and again and again, especially in the book of Devarim, Deuteronomy says the same thing. Be careful lest you become successful and you become complacent. Shamanta avisa kasisa. You'll eat well. It says you'll become satisfied. You'll become lazy. You'll become obstinate. You'll become... And then, and then, and that's the, that's the beginning of the end. And the point is, this is true, we, the idea of forgetting values, forgetting everything that was true at the beginning, and now it's completely forgotten, this happens in nation after nation. Forget spiritually. And my point is to draw a parallel that we can all relate to on a very practical level. I'm not going to make a commentary about the U.S. I, 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 this is beyond, not because it's, it's beyond, I'm, not, I'm just talking about historically. Look historically, every great nation, every great nation, that ever rose, has fallen. Always because of the same thing. The same thing. Greed, power, right? People are successful. So what happens is there's a collective spirit. Let's build something together. And then there's success. And you build something. Then what happens? The divide happens. Right? Those that are successful pull away there. And those that aren't are neglected. And now I don't have to care about somebody else. Right? Why should I care about somebody else? I'm, I'm, I'm living high. This is what happens, and then it implodes, and then there's every, every nation in history. Same story. Same story. So the eternal rock Hashem? Yeah, eternal rock is a euphemism I don't know why. My, my, this is Maimonides' language. He switches to the poetic eternal I'm not sure why. Anyway, the point is, the point is that he, this is what happened on a, on a spiritual, whatever you want, a spiritual level at the beginning of time. Everyone knew God. They made what we call a mistake. They made what they would call a strategic uh, decision to start including the sun and the moon and stars in their worship. From there, we see the, the evolution or the devolution, whatever you want to call it, into full-blown idolatry to the point that no, and, and, no, and now no one knows God. No one knows why we're here. No one knows anything. It's just the stars that we bow down to. Why? Because they said so. Now it's completely misguided. Everything that we knew true is gone. Few individuals, one individual perhaps in the generations, know this truth. And this remains so. What does he mean this remains so? It continued in this fashion as being unknown by the vast majority of people. And only known by select individuals until Abraham. Why? Because Abraham was not just an individual who knew God. Abraham took it upon himself, a mission, to teach the world about God. That's when things changed. Yeah. So where was So this story doesn't, doesn't have that. This story doesn't tell us of that. It seems like this, this notion and this mistake was widespread. And everyone was on board. The idea of feminine faith, like I said, like I said, you know, I've said a few times, the feminine faith doesn't guarantee that women are going to be impervious to to errors of faith as well. It doesn't care. It means that there's a certain that there's a certain power in the feminine energy to stay true 
to a faith even when it's, it's challenged. But we'll, we'll get there. But this story doesn't have that. This story doesn't end like that. So, the, so society moves that direction. Abraham recognizes the truth. And by the way, Abraham is not one of the, is not in the chain of this transmission. Chanoch, Moshashalach, Noach, Shem, and Aver. There was a there was a tradition. This was almost like a secret society of folks that were that were passed down. By the way, Adam, right? This is Chanoch. Who's Chanoch? I don't remember Chanoch, but Chanoch was also one of the earlier generations. Chanoch hears it from like his grandfather that yeah, I was created by you know great grandfather. Yeah, God created me, so he know, he passed it along. But it remains exclusive. Abraham discovers it himself. Hooks up with Shem and Aver that have a uh, that have or I think it was Shem and Aver they had an academy almost a yeshiva and uh, he studies with them and then but anyway but that's later the point is that this is ha- this is how the the the, the world moved into idolatry the question though is why the question is why how did he discover it himself it, it, so actually Maimonides continues. At this is so this is one and two and three he says like this what happened Abraham is forty well it started before. There's a there's conflicting accounts whether he was three or forty, some have a, a time, but it seems like it was a process that he moved grew into it. Basically, the world everyone was saying that you know the sun, the moon, the stars. As a child, he looked out at the world around him, and he said, "This is what it says." He saw the sun, and he said, "The sun is very powerful." So, and then the sun set, and then the moon came out. He said, "The moon is very powerful." So, the moon is more powerful than the sun. Then the sun came back up. And then maybe the clouds, no, but the wind blows. Okay. He went through everything in nature and he said, well, everything in nature, nothing is permanent. There must be something on top of everything that is permanent. In other words, that's fixed. Because everything else, everything else is moving. It's almost like there's an architect, there's a designer above everything. It's putting everything else into motion that is fixed, that is permanent, that is eternal. So with that, he discovers God. But again, it was such a novel thing in his time. Ever, no one, no one would listen to him. They all rejected him. Are you crazy? Are you coming up with these foolish notions? Anyway, but eventually he uh, he, he got the word out. So this is how idolatry, the birth of idols, happens. But the question is why? So we've had we've had like a few different ideas come out. I want to focus on on the idea of knowledge. So I think that's going to get us where we need to go. Knowledge as a concept or as a thing. What is knowledge? And the reason why I'm going with knowledge is because that is the first sin. Adam and Eve, the first sin is the Eitz Hadas Tovara. Eitz Hadat, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They eat from the tree of knowledge. What is the tree of knowledge? What does that mean? The tree of knowledge. But information is not knowledge. Understanding. Well, no, understand. Okay, so once we get into English, now it gets a little fuzzy. Because what's the difference between understanding and knowledge? Sounds, sounds the same. What's, what's the connection between the word knowledge and then the biblical word to know? Exactly. That's, that's another question. Exactly. Adam knew his wife. Da. Again, Dalit Ayin. That's the that's Da'at. The tough at the end. Dalit Ayin. Yoda. It's the same word. He knew his wife. They from the tree of knowledge. What is this knowledge thing? Well, Cup, yeah. It's, it seems one thing to be, it's something that they wanted to experience themselves, to know it themselves. 
as opposed to the faith concept of maybe not knowing it. But give me more, because what's the difference between understanding? Bina means understanding. So I understand something. What's the difference between understanding and knowledge? Bina and das. Huh? Perception, there's perception, but what, is, what drives perception? Well, that's there's is per- power in knowledge. You're going to be like God if you... But what is it about knowledge? I want to give, 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 I, 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 I want to go this way, I want to go this way, I want to go this way. Experience is good, experience is good, right? Yeah, have you ever been in a situation where you're completely in the moment... And you're not thinking about being in the moment. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're in the moment. What is it? In the zone, right? Like Pujols last night. You're in this. You're in a zone. In other words, you are in. You're experiencing something. You're in a zone. Whether you're learning something, you're reading something, you're listening to music, you're you're dancing, you're doing whatever it is. You're in a certain space. Where you're doing something, you're experiencing something, but you're and you're so you're so in the experience that you're not thinking about the experience. And other times, we have to. We, and you're just you're just in the you're, you're being. Whereas other times, what's happening is you're conscious of being in the experience. In other words, now there's almost two things that are that are happening. There's the experience, and there's you. In other words, in the first example, and I haven't given a real example, but whatever example you like, you feel, feel that. In the first example, in the first scenario, there's really only one thing. There's the experience. You're taken in the experience. You don't even exist at that moment. You're not even feeling yourself. You're not even self-aware. You're, you're part of the experience. You're subsumed in the experience. That's it. It's just the experience. It's almost like they have at, uh, I've said this before, at Fernbank, they had these, I don't know, and when the science thing upstairs, they had like these, um, these see-through glass, I don't know, cylinders that are in the water. And like when it's in the water, you can pull it out of the water and you see it, but when it's in the water, it's just, you don't see it. It just disappears because of its glass, because of the shape, I don't know, whatever it is. It just, you don't see it. And then you have experiences where you're in the experience, but you're also out of the experience. And you're thinking about the experience as you're in the experience. Or you're thinking about yourself in the experience. It's almost like sometimes when you're... When you're I, I, I know this experience from you know, my days in yeshiva where you're, you're, you're listening to something, an amazing Talmudic lecture, and, 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 and you're feeling it and you're getting it, and then suddenly you're thinking to yourself, wow, I got it, and at that moment, it's, got, it's done. It's done. It's See you later. You're out. You're out of the game. Whether it's because you shifted your focus, not whether because you shifted your focus. Now you're not no longer you in. Now you're about you. This is what das is. Das is perception. Das is exper- Das is personal. Das is personalizing it. Personalizing information. Bina means understanding it. It means you're in it. You're understanding it. Yeah, it's you understanding it, but it's. It's really about the understanding. It's really about the information. Whereas Das is now you. Now it's about you. And 
Ah, yeah, that is knowledge. Yeah, das, das. Das is now your knowledge. Now it's about you. It's about your. Das is mafteach. It says in Zohar. It says in Kabbalah. No, Zohar. Mafteach the kol shis. It says the key. Mafteach is key. The kol that includes shis, the six. Six emotions. In other words, das is the key to emotions because it's how you feel about it. It's how you personalize it. It's how you're taking it. In other words, it's your assessment of, well, what does it mean for me? It's, okay, so I'm, I'm studying the information, so it's not about me at that point. I'm, I'm in the information. I'm, I'm completely in the information. Then I move from in the information to now stepping back or stepping, in other words, drawing a slight divide between that which is, which I'm, which I'm studying, which I'm uh, learning, and myself, who is doing the learning. It's the birth of ego in the intellectual process. There's no space for ego before. The Chachma is the flash of conception. That's certainly, there's no, there's no you there. Being as, again, you're utilizing your mind to understand it, but you're not thinking about understanding it. You're not thinking about the process. Das is already now, you're moving into your own. You're now dividing. You're dividing out. And it's not a bad thing, inherently, or necessarily a bad thing. It can lead to bad things, which we'll see in a second. What happens is, though, you're now separating yourself from the information, from the knowledge, in a sense, which is part of its power, but also part of its, uh, of its potential danger. And what you're doing is you're saying, this is what I understand, this is how I understand. So now it's a little bit about the, the understanding and the, and the you, the understander. There's the understand e, and there's the understand the no the no we. It's how you process. Well, the understanding what? goes from what information and knowledge is when you understand. Is when you, yeah. and that's when and that's when it resonates. Well, yeah, that's when it when it can. That's what I said. It's it, 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 the emotions. This is the key to the emotions because until then you're just in the information. You're not even you can't even feel anything because you're just in that space. So what are you going to feel? You're in the space. So when you take a step back out in a second, it's not like you're not, lear- not, not thinking, but you, t- you, you separate, you start pulling apart you and it. You and it are now, are now intertwined by Chachman Bina. Then you pull out a little bit, right? And now it's about how you're experiencing that. Now, how do I feel about it? How do I react to the information? Because there's you involved. Now, what happens is, at that point, as we have, the, this is the birth of the ego. This is where now, how, what do I feel about it? This is what happens with Enosh on a historical level. This is what happens in that time. It becomes not about God. It becomes, what do I think about God? Right? Or it becomes, how do we serve God? So wait a second. It, when you're in that space, when you're in that space of God, in other words, when you're in that awareness of God, you're not thinking about how do I serve God. Right? You're in that space already. The moment you ask yourself, how do I serve God? What would, what, how would God want me to serve Him? Right? How Should I serve the stars or not? Once you're thinking that, it means you're not there. You've already separated out. And that's the, begin, that's, that's the source of the problem. Now, this is also the problem. This is, and, and as I said, this is the Eitz Hadas. This is the Eitz Hadad. This is the first sin. This is Adam and Eve. What happens? They eat from the tree of knowledge. Let's understand that the the eating of the tree of the knowledge wasn't a sin. Wait a second. It wasn't the tree. 
How do I explain this? It wasn't the fruit or whatever they ate that was the sin. It was the eating of the fruit that was the sin. Does that make sense? It was the the, the decision process of, I want to eat from the... That itself was the Eitzadas. In other words, the experience of the tree of knowledge is about the whole experience, not the end result. It's not the final step. It's about the whole process that goes into it and says, well, God... In other words, if you're in the Garden of Eden, if you're created by God, Right? And you're in tune with that. And you're and you're not thinking about self at all. Right? You're in that space. You're not doing you can't do any wrong. You're not the sin was they chose self. They chose to separate. Not from a, no, no. Didn't Hashem give the free will? A hundred percent. That's how it could happen. But why did it happen? Right? It happened. They separated. And it wasn't malicious. And it wasn't evil. Yeah, God said not to. But it wasn't, it wasn't about, let's, let's overthrow God. Let's throw God out of the garden. Well, but I, but it's more subtle than that because it wasn't coming from a, from a negative place. It was coming from it's almost a natural place that how how easy it is or how uh, feasible it is to stay in that zone, whatever it is and whatever experience it is to stay in that space where you're never conscious of self. You're completely in that space in the moment, in the in the in the study, in the song, in the dance, in the whatever it is. How. How possible is it to stay in that place? Very difficult. What happens is, they move out of that place. The second they move out of that place, there's a disconnect. The disconnect itself is death. If you're plugged in, there's eternal life. When there's disconnect, there's disconnect. That means there's a separation. And if it's from God, that means there's a separation. A subtle separation, but there's a separation. There's now I. Once there's I, you're eating from the tree of knowledge. It's the same thing. You understand what I'm saying? The I is the eating of the tree of knowledge. They didn't actually have to eat from the tree of knowledge. The moment they said, I want to eat from the tree of knowledge, they already ate from the tree of knowledge. They, they did eat from the tree. I'm not saying they don't read it literally. I'm saying is, but the, the whole experience was eating from the tree of knowledge. The moment they were considering, yeah, should I not? Should I, yeah, should I listen to this? That means they weren't locked in. Means they weren't in that space. Same thing happened here with Enosh. People knew, again, on a, on a, on a more, um, on a less refined level, because here we're talking about Adam and Eve in such a focused place. Now we're out, of the, we're out of the Garden of Eden already. But at least people know the awareness of God. At least they're in that space. Then they step out. Well, what, what should, who should we serve? Are the stars worthy? Yeah, they are, because God serves. You're already thinking too much. This is the problem. You're already thinking too much. And how did they know it was the tree of knowledge until they ate from it? How did they know there was? You know, look, God identified. It's not like they were oblivious to the world around them, but it's, it's. You know, the Torah gives us the Torah gives us the ultimate point of distinction between pre-sin and post-sin. You know, you know, the Torah describes it in such beautiful parallel language. The Torah describes Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden before the sin. End of chapter two, Genesis. The last verse is, they were both naked and they were not ashamed. That's how it concludes, the story. Perfection, right? In that space. There's no shame. It's like children. Perfect innocence, right? There's no... Because they're in that space, there's no, there's no self-consciousness, there's no awareness of self, of, wait, am I actually not wearing any clothes? It's not about... Uh, the total lack of, of, of self-awareness. Total just, just being. After the sin... Right away, Torah tells us, 
they sinned and they knew that they weren't wearing clothes. And they and they and they became ashamed. The first time it says they were not ashamed. And they sinned, they become ashamed. What what happened? What they didn't realize? It asks. Commentaries asks. Commentaries ask. How is it possible that through a sin Adam and Eve gained? They gained knowledge. They gained. You get rewarded for sin. You gain knowledge for sin. It's not gaining anything. You're losing that being in that space. You gain. You gain self. <laughs> Such gain, right? Go cash that in somewhere. In other words, they gain, but they gain something that's a detriment to them. Right? And we're living in that space. So the point is that, look, from that point on, the human being is locked into this space. We live in this space of that we're not complete. We're not always in in that zone. In that in that, but we live we live in a separated space. But my point is that this is what happened with this whole calculation of where are the stars and who are the stars and well, God honors them, so we should honor them. All of that. How do you make that? Why do you start there? Because you're not because you're not feeling because you're not completely locked in with God. You're starting to think, well, how would I serve God or or what what would God want us to do? We're thinking too much. That's the problem. Yeah. So before the sin, did, yeah. did they have free will before it? It's a good question. No. They, they, they had to have had free will. Because sure. if they chose, then they had to have free will. So if free but, will but, but, but it's a tricky... But it's something that Hashem wants so that one can act... As theoretically as separated, yeah. Then, because without the free will, then... Exactly. In other words, we have to say that they had the potential to separate out. But until it's actualized, it's not actualized. It gets a little bit more complicated. It's a little bit more, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because it says in Kabbalah that the evil inclination didn't exist within Adam and Eve. It was outside, right. It was outside of them initially. So the question is, did they have free choice? Or a free choice... But if free choice is marked by temptation to choose the opposite, the temptation didn't exist within them, specifically. But, but it existed outside of them, but in a way that that could have an impression on them, so there had to then be something within them also. That's what I'm saying. It gets a little bit tricky to understand. And if they had that potential, so what's the difference between us and them? There obviously was a difference, but at the same time, there still wasn't. There still was... Uh, look, at the end of the day, I, uh, do, do I know exactly... At the end of the day, I don't know exactly... But the point is that what we, do, what we do know, right? What we do know is that they, until that sin, until that moment that they said, well, let's separate... Until they made the decision to separate out, to, to, to step away, to observe. It's almost like the difference between being and observing. That's the difference, right? right? Being within and observing. So I'm not, I'm not denying, I'm not rejecting, I'm observing, right? And observe, I am I, observing myself listening to the music. You know what just happened? You stop listening. Because you're being aware of it. You've observed. <laughs> it's not always good to be so observant, right? So observing, right? You're observing, and you're observing, and suddenly you're out. So they, they, made the, they made the mistake, the initial mistake is observing. Could be. I mean, could be. The question is, do we want to stay children with that innocence, with that complete lack of conscious? 
self-awareness and self-consciousness in a good way. You don't have a care in the world, you don't know, right? Or do we like the sophistication of observing? And there's Look, we know that God also had a plan with the sin involved. And uh, Adam says, you set me up. The whole thing. We, we've talked about this before, I think. And, and, uh, look, uh, we don't be cookie cutters, though. Right, exactly. So is it part of the maturation process? Absolutely. But is there a way to get back in small measure, in, sm- in small doses, in certain circumstances to that place? Absolutely as well. But if that separation is a bad thing, then why is it even an option? If, if Hashem is so popular, why is that option Good. even offered? This is what I cannot wrap my brain okay. around. Isn't it possible, it's possible because God himself couldn't separate, so he had to set it out for <coughs> the Garden of Eden so that the separation could happen at that point? Could be, but the, the, once we get into a place that God couldn't have pulled it off without the human being, him, him or herself doing it, I, I, I would rather say, I would rather say, I hear what you're saying, I would rather say like this, that God wanted the possibility of separation, number one. And, ma- and maybe God wanted the separation. Because the separation will, will, will spur a greater, uh, greater upside. When we make mistakes, we, we come back with, greater, with a greater intensity. Sometimes. Yeah. So good. So maybe. So look, this is this is really more of a your question. It's a profound question. Your question. No, what I'm saying is your question really touches on the essence of teshuva and and, and the power of that, which is that's that's all on the top. No, but I mean that, that's a related topic, but it's it's a lot. It's a more elaborate discussion. What I want. What I want to. What I want to kind of impress here is is this concept that the original mistake. The original mistake of Adam and Eve was the same mistake they made in Enosh, which is observing, stepping out of, and not just being within. Adam and Eve made the mistake. The people in the times of Enosh himself and other people made that mistake. They went out of God and they said, well, who else can we honor? That's, that's already the beginning of the end. And then it... Huh? And we are still making and we're still making the mistake. We still make the mistake all the time. Instead of being in, we analyze. Instead of trusting our hearts, sometimes we step back and say, well, should I, shouldn't I? We second guess, we question, we step out of that space. We start to process the knowledge. We process, right, we process from... And again, sometimes it's healthy. Sometimes we need to. Sometimes it works to our benefit, sometimes it works to our detriment. The beginning you said, what is knowledge? Right. So do we decide that knowledge is... Coming together of it and and you, you. yes, so that's, that's exactly what it is. Whereas Chachma and Bina are about the 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 information, the understanding itself. In other words, the the, the stuff. Das is now you processing the stuff. It's now even though you were processing before also, but now it's you're aware of the processing. Now it's become how you how do you feel about it. How do you feel about it? Which is also why to answer that Adam knew his wife. There's an intimacy there, but it's also there's also a consciousness there. There's also an awareness there. There's also a feeling there. So that's why that's why Das is anyway. All right, good. Yeah. Knowledge, no wisdom is before. Wisdom precedes. There's Chachma trying to get back there. And again, I'm not saying that whole that das is evil. We're not saying that. We're not. We're just pointing out what das is, what knowledge means, what the dan- what the potential dangers are. Anyway, so that's that. Look, so it turns out we didn't we didn't get into into the text. 
So that's Sof Davar Hakol Nishma. At the end, everything is known and heard. Okay. So we didn't actually cover text inside. You know what? You got to bring me in on it. Tell it to me beforehand, and we can. I can. Th- I can throw the class. <laughs> Were the twenty-nine uh, White Sox or the nineteen? Nineteen? What is it? Nineteen? Nineteen? Black Sox. There you go. Yeah. So they call me Sulish. Sulish. Yeah. It's um, okay. Good stuff. So that's it. What we've paved the way for because we've done a lot of paving today, is the discussion on 28, which is all the way at the bottom, where we talk about the verse, Hashemayim, Shemayim, Lashem, V'ares Nasan Levnei Adam, that the heavens are given to the Lord, and the earth He gave to men. This is, anyway, so, but that's next week. Let's, let's, let's just recap, let's focus and recap what we did today. What we did today is, we traced the evolution and the birth of I- idols and idolatry. We traced it to a simple Simple, in a sense, innocent mistake, a mistake of believing that um, God wants us to honor those whom He honors, and then to move to a more malicious step of people proclaiming, well, God told me that we have to serve this, or the star itself told me we have to serve this, to the point that everyone forgets. And again, it all begins with us. Us kind of being too involved in the process as opposed to just being in that awareness, separating out and thinking about what is it that God wants and how should we serve and who should we serve and this and that, instead of just being in there. It's it's, it's the das uh, that's getting us. Good. This is again, and, and so what's the point of all this? When we understand the birth of idolatry, we'll understand why this concept of idolatry in various forms has plagued us from the beginning of time. Eating from the tree of knowledge is also a form of idolatry. How, right? and, and the things that we do also in our own lives are forms of idolatry and various things that we do. So we'll we'll, next week we'll explore this. Why is With this understanding today, we can understand why it is that we have this uh, propensity, this tendency to serve idols in various forms in our lives. We'll take a look at, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to the sin of the golden calf and understand where that came from in this context. And then we'll move to an understanding of what the mistake was and then to why the women of that time, of the times of Moses, were, uh, were impervious to this mistake. All next time. Yes. To get back to Perhaps. Perhaps. To get back to uh, an earlier question. Yes. It sounds to me like all these priests and prophets that were saying, hey, you know, worship, you know, hey, give me a little credit here. Right. I'm, I'm special. Right. That sounds like kind of like a male ego kind of thing. There was definitely ego. Now, was it the It says men. Is it. Okay. Look, it definitely tends more toward the masculine energy, as we'll explain later on in the book. Um, as opposed to the feminine energy, is it exclusive? Not necessarily. Men and women could be could both be susceptible to the same to the same uh, mistake. But definitely, um, it is it's it's aligned with the masculine energy to make that statement. As we'll see.